Today, we have a very special guest. We have Greg Tarusian, who is one of my first clients in the whole LinkedIn recruiting agency world before Digital Recruiter was called the Digital Recruiter. It was actually called the Recruiter Accelerator, but we had to change it for for certain reasons. Uh, He was one of the first people I worked with, and he is the founder of Samson Rose, a boutique search firm working with robotics and AI companies. He's also the host of Machine Minds podcast, where he engages with founders, leaders, and investors in the world of robotics and AI. He's a seasoned recruiter with over 15 years of experience, corporate, internal, agency. He's done it all. He's a family man, and he's just an awesome guy. So I'm really excited to have him on here. He's a wealth of knowledge and experience and just doing things the right way in this industry. So Greg, thanks for being here, man. What an intro. Thank you. I need to uh, record that and just like stick it on my LinkedIn. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you can do it. We won't have to tell anyone that I, that was my second attempt at the intro. Uh, but I, I guess I just gave the game away. But that's why we do retakes, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate nah, of it. Of course, man. It's, it's just it's great to connect again. And uh, there's there's been so much for us to catch up on. And I'm like, all right, at some point, we've got to hit record here so we can share, share all this stuff with, with the listeners. But Let's just let's kind of start where we always start, just give people a little bit of background and kind of how you got into recruiting. Sure. Um, happy to. So as you mentioned, I've been in the recruiting world for 15 years, plus or minus. I'd have to look back at yeah. <laughs> back at my LinkedIn. But um, yeah, I started <laughs> in the UK. I'm from London originally. Recruiting is, well, the, the sales recruiting side of things, probably born there. You know what recruiting is today on the agency side, that 360 full desk kind of thing. Um, so started there, that's where I learned a lot of what I do these days, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, moved to the US with a UK-headquartered recruiting firm that had an office in LA. Um, after a couple of years there, I went internal, met my wife out here, got married. Um, and I always wanted to go internal. Uh, I just thought to really understand the full cycle, the full life cycle of recruiting. You know, when you're agency, you only see a part of it, right? There's only so much influence you can have, so much impact you can have. Um, in a lot of ways, you're like this necessary evil to some people. And <laughs> depending on who you're working with or even your own perspective of yourself and your your uh, chosen career path, it can be that way. So I wanted to go internal. And I did, I was with an ad tech firm and then I got headhunted into a company called Hyperloop One where I was with them for over three years, built and led talent acquisition team, um, most of the company, like different verticals within the company. And then um, before I went out on my own, I was director of talent acquisition at Sweetgreen, which is a fast, casual uh, tech forward salad chain. I love Sweetgreen. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the LA days. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good, but not a lot of people realize how much tech is involved with Sweetgreen. You know, even when I was there, we were looking at robotics and automation for uh, food prep, right? Mm. And then there's a lot of direct to the customer, the app, the website, all of that. So there's a lot. I was the director of corporate, but I also um, led the whole team that worked on leadership for every restaurant as well. So it was pretty decent sized team and, and spread across the U.S., and then that brings me to starting my own business uh, and going out on my own. Um, I think 
the usual story of just falling into recruitment is there as well for me. Uh, you know, I had my, one of my best friend's sisters was in recruitment and said, Hey, we're looking for a trainee. You'd be great. Why don't you come and interview? I was in sales at the time and I was like, what is this? Um, I spoke to one of my other good friends who was in the space and he was like, no, you don't want to go there. Come to my company or come to this company. It's got all these resources and a background and like better people. And yeah, that's how I fell into it. It's, it's a great background. Definitely kind of a, you got the balance of experience kind of seeing a lot and how, I guess, yeah, how did that prep you? I guess kind of number one, why go off on your own, right? And how did mm -hmm. that experience kind of help prep you to go off on your own? Yeah, good question. Um, so I want to say it probably wasn't the ideal uh, timeline is timeline the way that way or a sequence of events probably to going out on my own what you traditionally think of is maybe you were internal or maybe you were agency internal then you went back to agency you're working like that for a bit and then you're like you know what i'm going to do this for myself mine was going from internal to agency or external again and the drawbacks of that were i hadn't worked external for i don't know six years maybe so you think about all the things that are embedded to you when you work in a bigger agency or even more of a structure one. It's like, you, you know, you've got your KPIs, you've got your ABCD jobs or whatever, your specking candidates, your market mapping, your bit, all of that stuff, like I hadn't done for so long. It was obviously still there. I had the knowledge, but things change in the industry all the time, as you know, and like your, your training platforms and everything like that, you're, you're always teaching people about new tools and new processes. So um, I was a little bit removed from that. Um, what pushed me to go out on my own, I always wanted to start my own business, but we were, my wife and I, we were expecting our second baby and a lot sooner than we had planned. And, um, we lived in LA, we lived in Pasadena at the time and I was commuting to Culver city where I was, uh, working Brutal. at Sweet Green. It, yeah, it was rough. I mean, it wasn't as bad because we were thinking, all right, well now we need to move close to in-laws. And get help there and they're in orange county i was like well i'm not commuting from orange county to Culver City. no 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 yeah so, yeah sweet green were really gracious my my um manager at the time she was a chief people officer i reported directly to the ceo and the coo and then they brought in the chief people officer and she was like look let's open an office down in orange county for you uh, it would you be willing to stay in like irvine and you can do hybrid it's like Oof, that is tempting but my wife is really the one who pushed me. She's like, if you're ever going to start your own business, if you're ever going to go out on your own, now's the time. I was like, are you crazy? We're about to have a second baby. Like, this is not the time. She's like, well, she works full time, thankfully. Um, we didn't, kids weren't in school. You know, once they get a little bit older, costs creep up uh, drastically as you. Especially know, in LA, find a out. little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, she really encouraged it. Um, and so I jumped in and had to, it was a really sink or swim, right? I had, like I said, I didn't come out with a playbook from an agency. I didn't have a market set out. I didn't have um, a Rolodex of clients that I could just go and say, hey, I'm going out on my own. If you still want to work with me, like, let's do this separately. So I start from scratch, like, really. And you start from scratch. And this is a story I hear a lot, right? Someone goes you know, internal, goes on their own, and it can be crickets, right? You're mm -hmm. not used to the rejection how you know or just kind of the silence and it's like the case you said the kpis and what do i gotta do to hit my numbers the lead lag yeah. effect to to get through it like how 
And it's just like, I guess, mentality wise, like, how did you kind of overcome that and just kind of stay persistent? Because like now you're extremely successful. Like, but that first stage, right? Family, second kid on the way, being persistent. Like, how do you deal with that and like persevere? Yeah, that's another great question. I, I didn't, I hadn't actually thought about that. Um, <laughs> you know, being, if I think back and just yeah. the position that I was in with what I had built up in my career at that point, like without being big headed or whatever, but if you've been in a space long enough, even if it's just not a niche, like a vertical, but if you've been in the recruiting world long enough, and I, at that time, my career had been split between internal and external. So I felt like I had a pretty good knowledge, experience, perspective of both sides of it and, you know, both continents. Yeah. I, I had that awareness and confidence that, you know, I know I can add value. I know, you know, and I'd built up enough good reputation with um, whether it was other podcasts or trainings or teams that I built and people I'd trained or clients that I'd worked with, people I'd placed that I, I felt like something good would come from it. And I wasn't, I guess I wasn't scared of rejection. That was, that's recently thinking back through my career. I think that's one of the biggest things that used to hold me back earlier in my career was like caring or thinking what other people thought when you're reaching out or trying to engage or send, Hey, I've sent this person seven messages and just not getting back to me. And I don't, most of mine are organic and natural, like, Oh, congrats on your funding. Or it was great meeting you at this conference or whatever. And a lot of the times people don't get back to me back in the day, I would have taken that really hard. Now I'm just like, I, I want to reach out for this reason. And if they get back, cool, if they don't, whatever, I'm not going to take it personally. Um, so the consistency part of it kind of just came with like pushing all of that to the side, knowing I need to get something going here from a client standpoint or a vertical standpoint or something like that. And then moving forward, I was really lucky. I guess lucky is, is the word, the strategy that I took when I first went out on my own, if anyone is internal and is thinking about doing this th themselves was um, I would get reached out to via headhunters or um, heads of uh, other HR teams or, or CEOs to come and be their head of talent or come and work for their company when I was employed. And that was my first list of people to reach out to like, Hey, look up. I, I don't know if you filled your role because some of them just pulled it. Some filled it with someone else. Um, but I'm actually going out on my own don't know if you still need work done or if you wanted to partner or if there's something that I can do for you, but I just wanted to let you know. Um, and if you're still looking to fill that role, I'm happy to send you referrals. And that the first two clients I got was like that. So, so you yeah. said referrals, not I'm willing to help you find the person. No, referrals. Yeah. Why, why did you go with that approach? Again, from being internal, I know what people are receptive to. Yeah. If you're just, you know, if you're just purely transactional, like, oh, if you don't want to hire me, I'll hire someone for you. Let's talk about how we can engage on that. Even that's softer than my terms are X, which yeah. <laughs> some people can just want to jam that down your throat. But I felt like my network in the internal world at that point was good enough to refer people and then good should hopefully come back. Like that recruiter is going to know I helped them get the role or that CEO or uh, head of people is going to know that I introduced that person. So if there's ever a need, hopefully they'd come back to me and I'll keep in touch. It's a warmer reason to keep in touch and check in. This is going to be revolutionary for a lot of people, but I hope 
uh, you know, whoever's listening, you know, really paying attention to this because this is one of the, I didn't know that you had done that, but I'm not surprised because when we first started working together, you, you know, I always ask people, you know, what's the messaging you typically use? You know, I kind of want to understand how someone thinks, right, about outreach and business development. And you had one of the best messages that I've seen anyone start to, you were already using. I was like, this is good. Like, that's where I knew, like, you knew strategically how to leverage the certain things we were working on, you know, automation or anything else like that. I'm like, that was great because you were strategic about who you were targeting and reaching out to, you know, with the profile change and kind of how you did eventually have your strategy. Like, you knew they were going to see that, you know, almost like, you know, you were just trying to network and connect, right? And you're trying to learn about them first. And I was like, this is what scales, really well. If you can do that at scale, you're going to build the ecosystem. And as you said, just knowing your value, knowing the, the just building the ecosystem, right? Being able to give like true value, right? Yeah. You do that enough in an abundance, it's going to come around, right? And people yeah. are going to respect your different approach. So but I, I didn't know you took it as far to like give referrals. I mean, it, but it's, it's genius. I mean, it, it really Thank is. You. Yeah. I, honestly, I still do it now. Um, there's companies, so I work a lot in the seed, A, B round uh, companies and, you know, robotics. I'm not in the bubble AI space right now, the real hype of, you know, um, GPTs and LLMs and generative AI and all of that stuff, which is great. And it's bringing a lot of awareness to the space and investment dollars and all of that stuff. But I, the AI that I'd always worked on, it was always that intersection of hardware and software. And anyone that's worked in the hardware world knows that it's capital intensive, it's labor intensive, it's space intensive, which means those earlier stage companies, they have to watch their dollars very carefully. Otherwise, they can go under quick. And then when the investment side of things was drying up, they're even more weary of their spend. So... I will still nurture the relationships with these early stage companies and like, I'll fly out to see you. I'll meet you at this conference. Hey, you're looking for a sales leader. I'll, I speak to people all the time. Like I'll make warm intros for you. I'm not saying I'll work on the role or, you know, I'm not going to sign terms with you, but when you hit that stage, who, who are they going to go to? The person that's been intermittently sending them candidates and making relevant intros during the year. Hey, this person could be an advisor. This person could be your, the head of sales, I know VCs that I'll introduce you to. Naturally, they'll want to work with the person that understands their business and um, has been helping them along the way without the need or want for anything in return. Yeah. I will say this, though. Um, I was having this conversation recently with a director at another agency who's like, hey, I'm thinking about going out on my own. How are you doing this market? And I was like, look, what I do because you mentioned it's scalable. Uh, some parts of it are, but what I've been doing or the way that I've been working, sorry, I knocked my mic. The way that I've been working, you probably wouldn't be able to do in a traditional or larger agency, you know, that just push KPIs down your throat or it's all about, you know, output numbers and stuff like that. Because part of it is nurturing, to yeah. use your, your fr fr uh, phrasing. If you're not nurturing your next year of customers, then you're probably not going to be um, in that place when they or the right person to call when they're ready. You know, it, you make a good point about the scaling, scaling for your situation. Mm -hmm. I think that's what that's a you're right. There's a big difference because you can't 
pull this at Aerotech. I tried to, and it got me in yeah. trouble a little bit because I was like, I know it's going to come through it, but it's like the, the numbers hit. And I was like, all right, I got to do stuff to at least grow to get right. people off my back after the first year or two because that was my approach. It was like nurture, nurture while I was trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But it's different at a company that size versus I take the same approach out of my own. It's working way better than it did there. And both yeah. on the you know the, the consulting and the recruiting side and it's just like it's a no-brainer right but you have yeah. those pressures when you're depending on the paycheck so mm-hmm. i think one of the lessons is make sure you have the runway mm-hmm. if you are going to go that approach like i mean there's different ways to create revenue early but to really build that long game and to do something like this you have to be willing to sacrifice some of that short-term dollar 100%. which I, I think is a good if you're going to go about it this way and you want to build an agency that's going to last, you're proud of like that, do it that way. Right. I know people that do build side hustles as an agency. We have clients like that, right. That they build a side hustle and they're going to then leave their job. Like that's okay too. Right. Mm -hmm. But like know that if you, the more runway you have, you can do it the right way and eventually get amazing clients. I think, yeah, that's a very good point. And at the end of the day, you're in business to make money and you need the money to survive and to have that runway and everything like that. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't have clients that I was working with and people that are paying me consistently or paying the bills or whatever it is, because then I would be chasing just revenue. But if I have things that I'm working on and organically I'm speaking to, I'm networking with people, people are reaching out to me because of my positioning or my podcast or warm referrals. I don't want to just say, hey, I don't have anything for you. I'll take the call. You never know what's going to come from it, especially Absolutely. if I have the time. And then I'll make the, ref- like, there's literally that I have a, a, a short list of companies that I know they're going to do great things. They're just not there yet. And I will work with them right now and support them because I've been internal at startups that have been cash strapped or that are trying to scale, that don't have process, don't have the right people in place. So I know what it's like on the other side. And when you're aware of that and empathetic to that and you can speak to that, and then ease that pain, right? Or sometimes the founders that I work with, they're first time founders. So they just don't know what they don't know. Or they're like, this is a bottleneck and I don't know how to work it out. I'm like, well, where's your COO? I don't have anyone. Okay, well, who's doing this work? Oh, I, I need to get to that. All right, all right, let's talk through that first. Yeah. <laughs> Before, you know, we try and hire you, this person, that's going to be another direct report to you that you don't have the bandwidth to manage. Yeah, it's... so. Yeah. I mean, that is like relationship selling, consultative selling, 101, 201, 301. That's like the PhD in it there. I mean, just leveraging your strengths. I think what you said, just you you valued your own work. Like, you know what you've done and you know there's value in that in the market. That is huge. I mean, that's what the first thing we talk about with everyone that comes in a program. Like, where are your strengths? Like, where do you see your strengths? Not where I see them. Like, where do you see them? Where do you feel it? Because someone's typically having a sales issue. It's it's a confidence that they don't know their worth or the value in the market, right? And you got to get that clarity first. And the fact that you had that, like maybe you not have the specific robotics and AI niche, but you know, you do with growth start, you know, growth, you know, minded startups, like you could come in and help at least no matter kind of what the role was or whatever else. And so like, it's just, you have a starting point and you can kind of keep chiseling away at it until I wouldn't say you get to the finished product, but where you're at now, you could do for a long time and I think you, you'd be good, right? Like you, you're, it's sustainable. And now you can make strategic pivots if you want to, right? By choice. Like that's, 
That's key, though, that internal confidence. Like, I have value to add. And not just that, oh, there's money out there and other people are making money recruiting. But, like, what value can I bring? And the byproduct of that is going to be, you know, making some good money. Because right? the margins could get pretty stupid pretty quick in this industry. Right. But, like, you, you got to have that zero to one, you know, of just, like, yourself first and bringing that value. For sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. And but, then, oh, go yeah. ahead. No, go, no, 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 you go on. We can oh, well, I was going to switch topics. So, so, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to switch because I was going to evolve to what I think we mentioned before with these sometimes cash-strapped companies. You've done a lot of retained searches. You've done some contingent searches. Like, kind of, you work with a lot of different pricing models, mm-hmm. right? How do you... I guess, how do you approach that? Because there's a, there's a kind of a school of thought that's like, oh, retained is like this like class by mm-hmm. itself. It's like it's better than contingent. And I kind of argue I, it might be. not. Sometimes yeah. it is. Sometimes it's not, right? I think we've established pros and cons. But like, how do you see that, right? Kind of the pros and cons and kind of how you mm-hmm. go about that piece of it with clients. Yeah. So you first have to be clear on what they are right? And what the differences are, <clears throat> not just from a pricing model, because I mean, even a, a junior recruiter should be able to tell you the difference between just traditional contingent and then traditional retained, right? And then you and I know there's everything in between. Um, but then what you're giving to your client as an extra added service above what a contingent would be. And then when you're clear on that, knowing how to communicate that to your client. And for me, where we spoke about offline, I've learned a lot with retained um, and retaining bad clients for the first search. And I speak to friends, I've got like some of my best friends out here, they're independent recruiters or have small agencies. And some of them are just like, I don't want to do retained. Like it makes me nervous. I take this money. Now I'm like sweating about performing and it's the first time I've worked with them, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, top billers at their old agencies and now they've gone out on their own. I'm like, what is that mentality about? And then others are like, I've had the worst experience doing it because they're a bad client. I don't want to give the money back, but sometimes you just have to and just say, sorry, like this isn't working. So it's a double-edged sword. If you retain a bad client, um, yes, you get a bit of money up front, but then at the end of the day, you're stuck working on, you have to dedicate your time working on, on something that may not come to fruition or is just not worth the time. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm answering your question. You, you, you answered it perfectly, right? And so it's, it, it kind of goes, yeah, the qualifying the clients, qualifying the job, not just diving into the money. Yeah. I think the, I, the money's is always going to be good if you qualify the right clients in the right job order and it's going to be real and you're going to get the full fee i think it's just reverse engineering how do is this is this search going to get the full fee right yeah. and if it's a bad retained client or if it's a contingent <laughs> client with they're working with 10 other agencies right your answer to both is probably no yeah right i think I'll, just being honest with yourself there yeah 100 percent. i'll give you a a story i'm not obviously not going to talk about a client or clients but like looking back at last year, so this year, the majority of my searches have been contingent just by way of the market, the type of searches that I've been working on or the type of clients I've been working directly with VCs that might be working with a couple of other people or a company that just got funding and they've got their own efforts going. So this is, sorry, again, knocking my mic. 
this is another way of qualifying a client. Like some people say, oh, I just want to do it retained if they're serious or retain me. But if I engage a startup client who's recently funded and I've got a warm introduction and they'll work with me exclusively, but they say, oh, I'm doing my own thing as well. I'm trying to hire this. I'm like, well, I know you're not going to hire it because you have a team of less than 10. You're doing all this other stuff. Your VC is with you every <laughs> other month. Like you're not hiring these three people. Cool. As long as I'm the only agency recruiter or external recruiter working on it, I'm happy to do it. It might as well be a retained search. There's no money up front, but if you have commitment and they're responsive, great. And I built out a whole reinforcement learning team just like that um, with three people because I wasn't retained, but I knew the founder, we had a good relationship. Um, prior to that, last year, a very sizable chunk of my revenue came from retained searches that were never placed, which is it hurts me to say because I'm like, I didn't, you know, perform against them. But when I stepped back, I was like, it wasn't me. It was the client because it was the year when, you know, people started doing crazy layoffs, pivoting business plans, getting scared that they don't want to hire. Like I had a chief product officer role that was retained. So, I, and I had a third up front and then they just, after getting someone to offer stage, because I, I, I modeled that one slightly differently instead of, again, they were an earlier stage startup. And I said, look, instead of giving me a third up front, a third when I get candidates interviewing and a third on placement, we'll do the third up front and then backload the, the other two thirds. Like I'm incentivized to place it. I don't want you to think this is a money grab, blah, blah, blah. Because it's not at the end of the day, I want to fill the role because I know if I hire a C-level, they're going to come back to me. And then they got spooked. They, they had someone at offer stage, really wanted them. And they were like, oh, I don't want to hire another C-level right now. But I would have done all of that work in vain. And it's very specific to this vertical, this role. I'm not going to repurpose these candidates, unfortunately. Yeah. Right? And then I had another client that was just breaking into the US and they had three different roles with me or four different roles all retained. And I was like halfway through the process. Luckily, those were a third, third, third. And then they decided to pull. They were like, we're swapping the roles. We're moving from SoCal to Northern Cal. We're actually changing the teams. And I accommodated pivoting where in your terms would be like, if you change the role, it's a brand new search. But being sensitive to the startup world and this stuff, I was like, okay, cool. I'll help you out. Let's just reset. And then they ended up laying people off. None of that was my fault. And if I had worked contingent, I would have been spinning my wheels here working for free for ages and in a down year in the industry, I would have been effed, right? yeah. but it saved me. Yeah. It, it's, it's just, it's real, like it's real scenarios and I appreciate you sharing them because it's so valuable for people to hear. Like there's so much, I mean, this is a whole game of nuance in our industry uh -huh. and it's like, you have to, it's like, how do you do the right thing? What is the right thing, right? There's different scenarios that come up. And, you know, the more that you can know the industries, the companies, put yourself in your client's shoes, all that, and, and really establish it on the front end, the relationship, the communication, it makes it easier to do the right thing without feeling like anyone got done dirty, in right. a sense, right? Because yeah. I'm sure they didn't feel that like, you know what, you did uphold your end of the bargain. And like, mm -hmm. you know, fair is fair. Yeah. And so too often I hear that the it's like the client has all the leverage and all the power. And it's just like, well, why? Like they mm -hmm. don't, 
you know, just establishing that on the front end, you know, things come up, things happen. And it's true. I mean, it's a lot nicer if you can take home some cash versus not if things come up. But I think just find that balance of like just the pros and cons of the retained of the contingent and really aiming for that exclusive. You know, there there's a bunch of ways to kind of make it happen. Right. We haven't even talked about kind of RPO and kind of doing mm-hmm. some, you know, a monthly retainer with a placement fee attached. I mean, there's so many different ways to do this. Um but again, I think just qualifying the clients, knowing what your strengths are, and just being able to put yourself in their shoes and, and vocalizing yeah. that goes so far, you know, as, as an agency, you know, and you've have you've done it from both sides of it. Yeah, and I think so, that is uh, eases concerns as well to them. Even if you haven't, right? Even if you haven't, but just speaking to it and taking a, a moment to be aware of your client's situation, right? If you I don't know, everyone BDs in a very different way. But if you know this company just raised like their Series B, they're going to be getting bombarded by people trying to sell them shit. Not only candidates, but software, but outsourcing, but everything under the sun. They're just prey. Prey. But if you had a nurturing relationship going along and you're aware that that's coming later on or whatever, you're ahead of the curve, you can be more mindful about how you're communicating things or educating them about what's going to come. You know, even if you haven't been internal, you, you know, you think for two seconds, what would it be like to be in that position? Um, So yeah, that, that helps a lot. And and connect with internal, like if you don't know, connect with internal recruiters or, you know, listen to this to get an idea, right. Or different reasons, like seek that out. And, mm-hmm. you know, just like if you're a job seeker, you know, you do some informational interviews and you can like do that as an agency recruiter, like try to build up some strategic partnerships and, you know, talk to internal recruiters and just to kind of understand like the day in the life and all that, like get that yeah. knowledge, get that firsthand knowledge and it can arm yourself. Cause I think what you said is so true. It's one of the pillars of what we teach. It's just that mindful communication. Right? Just be thoughtful in everything you do. There's nothing wrong with automation. There's nothing wrong with content. Nothing wrong even using AI potentially for content or at least some ideas, but just be thoughtful about it, right? Is this my voice? Is it not my voice? Is this better as an idea generator or just, you know, as a standalone, you know, same thing with any type of messaging, like, you know, what what's in it for them, right? Like yeah. that compared, and but also just knowing the rest of the market, right and not taking things i think it also helps not take things personally as you said earlier right like it's just they could probably gump a bar they might not have seen it or whatever like who knows right but it's like there's you don't have to take it personally like Mm -hmm. if it's if you as you said if you're doing it right you're controlling what you can do well like the rest the chips will fall as they may type situation i'll also give you some insight there um about you know not responding maybe they haven't seen it why they not coming back something i wasn't aware of until i was internal was just email community i mean being in an agency right you're i used to be like inbox zero everything's filed away very nice like you're so responsive and urgency is like drilled into you right you want to get back to everything that comes in candidate comes to you that's money right client comes back to you that's money blah 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 so you're on it when you're in a hr team or a people team it's very different I would sit with my um, CHRO or CPO and look and I'm like, how do you have so many emails in there? And why have you not read them? He's like, I need to get to this. Literally like hundreds and hundreds. And they're not just sales ones. They're from the CEO. They're from like external headhunters. All of this, there's everything in there. 
because those individuals are in meetings most of the day. So they're not like a recruiter where you just sit behind your desk and you're like on the phone and on the on LinkedIn and whatever. They're, LinkedIn has hundreds of messages. Their inbox has hundreds of messages, right? They're, if you get them, if you're lucky to catch them or something that's appealing, you'll probably hear back from them. Yeah. But the chances are they probably haven't seen it. And then this is the same for an internal recruiter or a head of talent. They're getting ton, they're getting sold new sourcing software, new marketing software, people trying to outsource them like constantly, 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 which is why some of the content or, or outreach recommendations that you guys give is so valuable. You know, your headline or whether it's an MPC or whether it's personalized or whatever, those things definitely make you stand out, but you still don't know if they've seen it. Obviously you've got like the tracking if they've opened it or not, but you don't know if they open it in a meeting. Yeah, this is why I don't take things personally because I've been there and I've seen it happen. They'll open it. Like, oh, that's interesting. I'll get back to it. And then a hundred emails come in before the end of the day gets buried. So that helped me to not take things personally as well. Well, well let's dive in. I mean, this is fascinating for so many reasons. What would be some of the best, especially because you're validating so much of what we teach and it's almost like there's a reason why we started working together. Uh, it, it, so I, I love it. But this is a point that's really hard for some of the people I work with or even taught you to understand about the approach because they think, oh, it's passive. It's all, I'm not like, I'm not being a hunter. I'm not being aggressive, right? Like I'm not asking for the call or like, like, you know, it's just like, it's, you know, just engaging in the conversation and nurturing and building that up. Cause sometimes you can nurture. It doesn't always take a year or two. It could take a week, yeah. take a month. Like you, you don't know, but you're mentioning, right, they get hit up all the time. I'm sure the messaging quality a lot of the time is not that impressive, right, from external, you know, recruiters and everything else. What are some of the most effective ways? And then maybe we can get into the not effective ways. Um, but yeah, what, what are some of the do's and don'ts? Man, <clears throat> that's the silver bullet, right? Look, yep. Uh, as, as much as you can do, and this might be controversial and this might not be what you want to hear and all of that stuff but as much as you can have relevant content or a great message or great candidate and all of that stuff unfortunately and i i tell people this that i'm speaking to like potential new clients every week recruiting is a combination it's, it's a it's a marriage of like relationships and timing right so if you're sending relevant content or candidates consistently you could be like once every two months to Let's say you hire software engineers and you're sending them to the CTO all the time and they're like, great candidate, no need, I'm not going to respond, I'm not engaging. But it's relevant, right? That's a one-sided relationship, but you're still creating some sort of relationship and awareness. The timing element is when they have a role, you should be top of mind or you could expect that candidate over at the right time or that piece of content at the right time and then the relevancy is there. You obviously get your shots in the dark where you've sent over a candidate to a brand new person. They just so happen to have come out of a meeting where they're looking for that need or someone's just handed in their notice that week. That's not like scalable. 2.2% two, two of the time. Yeah. 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 And I mean, if, you're, if your market is wide enough where, and I come from one of the, like, the places I spent a bit of my career was uh, S3 and we had like our uh, own ATS at the time before like, cloud systems and all that stuff. We had proprietary one where we could like, we used to call them eShots, eShot candidates. And that was one of our KPIs. And 
the amount of people that be like, get me off this damn mailing list. How did I get back on? Blah, 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 blah. Like I'm blocking you. This is spam. Like you guys are killing the market. And then you'd get one person a week. Like, actually, I want to speak to that guy yeah. or this candidate. And your managers would be so pleased. For me, I'd take that personally. Then I'm like, we're just polluting the market yeah. <laughs> and our name. So, but they're just thinking about revenue. So back to standing out, I think relevancy, um, quality, and then trying to get the call is a really tricky thing these days, depending again, who you're targeting, who the hiring manager is. If you're trying to hire for C-level people, they are so busy, especially I mean, it, it, at any stage of company, right? They're so busy. You don't understand how many meetings these people have or can have, or if there's a project due date coming, or if they're fundraising or whatever, you just, if you haven't been there or you don't have like intimate enough relationships with your hiring managers to understand, like you can't expect to just grab someone on the phone, which is why like, you know, after hours, I do things on a weekend, like Sunday evening, Sunday morning, I'll send something out. Cause I know like some of these founders, they'll get back to me during the day. Yeah. Not ideal again, but if you want, I mean, you can schedule them. You can, however you want to do it. But um, I know I'm going off on a bit of a tangent. You're not. It's all good. That's the thing. Yeah. Like it, it's making everyone think, right? Yeah. And it's good. it's I'm I'm in the trenches working with all you know so many recruiters and agencies. This is the, it's hard for them to understand at times, understandably so. But that's yeah. why getting your perspective, I mean, that's why we record these episodes, you know, like, like you have those insights, really thinking it through and not taking it personally, but just being strategic, right? Like always like that's business development, putting yeah. yourself in their shoes, where are they going to be, right? It's like a quarterback throwing to a wide receiver. He doesn't throw to where he is. He throws to where he's going to be. Right. And kind of thinking it that way with business development, right? Where's that founder going to be, you know, Monday through Friday, nine to five, they tied up. Okay. I'm going to run campaigns Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's smart, that's right? That's brilliant. I mean, that's yeah. a, I, I, I use like it again, analogy. but like, you know, that, that that's smart. <laughs> uh, but it, like, that's, that's what people need to hear and be reminded of just to think of the bigger picture, but to talk about relevancy, you know, look, I think we, I mean, we worked together a couple of years ago and I was just starting, yeah. I hadn't really, posted consistently so i couldn't i knew content was important because i'd worked with you know some influencer accounts and everything else but i hadn't done it for myself i didn't want to teach it until i did i had done it for myself once i started doing that the the power of what it meant for my business and teaching other recruiters that's what we've dialed in as like the stay top of mind for timing Mm. is make the connection with linkedin whether you want to do manually or automated then post relevant content, right? You might not get them with the message, but you can get them with the content. I mean, the amount of people that still reach out from when I first started on in 2020 on LinkedIn, right? Or I mean, I think you and I, like we had initial conversation and we didn't work together until I started my own business, right? And that was a year later, right? And then, you know, I I had a couple posts and then you kind of also put yourself out there like that's the move. And then you can also do that with follow-up email. You could do that with follow-up mm-hmm. cold call. But the calls and the emails are so much more powerful if you're just like, you know, hey, shot you a connection request on LinkedIn or shot you a message. They go to your LinkedIn. They see a nice profile. They see content. They get to learn a little bit about you. I'm like, yeah, of yeah. course I'm going to reply, right? Yeah. And so yeah. like that's how it all can kind of come together, right? You're and that's what – yourself. Exactly. Yeah, in the right way. Yep. And um, I think before I forget the point, what you said about – throwing i'm not a big football guy but throwing 
to where they're going to be, not where they are. Yeah. Not only the campaigns on like the weekends as well, but thinking about, oh, this company is at this stage or they've got a team that's X size, but I know that they're going to need to deliver this product or when they deliver this product or when they hit this funding, it's going to mean this. Start now nurturing, right? Whether you can get them on the phone or you're sending texts or you're sending emails or it's your newsletter or sending them a piece of content or whatever it is, or if you have a podcast, inviting them on the podcast, whatever. I mean, the amount of compared to that outreach or effort that you do to what you get back, you should know is going to be uh, not the best ratio, but it doesn't mean people aren't seeing it, taking notice of it, and it's going to mean something in the future. Absolutely. It would be great if it was one for, one-to-one all the time. Amazing. Like, we it's wouldn't just, be having this conversation, but it's not. Right. It's rare, right? It's super yeah. rare. And just know that. And when you get that, appreciate it. And it's great. And it's part of what you want to happen in your outreach. You want the quick hitters. You don't know what day that could happen, right? But you want yeah. the like, yep, perfect timing. Let's get on the phone. All right. Sweet. But that's maybe a few times a year if you're lucky, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, lucky, smart, strategic, you know, whatever, persistent. But most of the time, it's not. And just like you have to be able to budget that networking time, that nurturing time, and then in your day, in your BD cycle. And that's a really important piece. And you know, we had a con- we had our content group call earlier today and someone was like sharing one of their wins. And they said, you know, I had a candidate reach out because it's accounting and finance. So candidates are absolutely gold in that industry, mm-hmm. right? Because it's easy to get clients in that industry. So he's got, you know, he's got clients. He's like, I can't reach out. He's like, I think it was because of my post. It was a couple hours from my post. It was about like, now's the time to look. And he was like, and he messaged me. He's like, yeah, I think it's like time that I talked to someone. And I look, I'm like, no, it, you don't think it was the post. It was it the post. Was. <laughs> yeah. Like there's no if, ands, you know, and yeah. you don't always get that validation from the person saying, Hey, love that post. Like, I'm going to buy something mm-hmm. from you now, right? Or, or like, I need your help. Like, it doesn't, you know, there's subtle ways you got to be able to kind of infer, yeah. like, oh, it was like this, this, and that piece. That's what did it, right? And so, like, it just got to stick with it. And it's not always black and white in terms of, like, this definitely worked. That definitely didn't work. It's like, you just keep going, right? You keep yeah. going. It's like, oh, sweet. I think this is having an effect. And if one person reaches out, probably 50 more are thinking about it. I just got to keep going. Yeah. I think the biggest part there, um, which we haven't touched on actually, that I'm not great about is having a process in place for all of this, right? Because when you're thinking about, and you know, I've done it great for a period of time and then I've fallen off or I've switched or like, whether it's people helping me with my podcast or whatever it is, if you don't have like a consistency or a process in place or some sort of cadence of what you're going to put out and when, or like what you're going to collate for a newsletter or a post or whatever it is, it becomes more daunting. And like, I know people that just use LinkedIn, like Facebook or like Twitter X, they just post up like their random thoughts or or work related. Right. But, and they get massive amounts of engagement because it's authentic and it's relevant and they have a good audience. And I know other people that are like very, um, thoughtful about the content that they put out and it's like it's for their niche and they're providing either it's value or recordings or insights that are very relevant so there's so many different ways to do it but if you don't have like a flow it's going to be more difficult you just got to get started and then figure it out 
it, it, I mean, you've done a lot because I see you post a lot. I saw the podcast episode. I mean, that's why I, I was like, I got to reach back out. Like, you know, you started a podcast. I was like, we got to record, right? Because it's it's just fun. I mean, it's just fun. Yeah. Uh, and so, how did you start to get into the flow with content and posting? Pretty consistently, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think I'm in the flow yet. <laughs> I'm just, I think it's being more mindful of it because if I go a week without putting something up, I'm like, that that was a miss. You know, if if I've got constant episodes coming out of my podcast, I'm, again, my podcast is for my vertical, right? So it's robotics and AI, like founders, investors, and leaders. So they're conversations I should be having anyway on a weekly basis. Yeah. And then, it's for my audience. They're going to get value from it. So if I have consistent episodes being recorded, that's great content to put out. I can put out at least two pieces from that, three. Absolutely. Right? But then I can put out more about my thoughts about a particular thing happening in the industry or roles that we're hiring for or whatever. And then trying to keep it more top of mind to jump to LinkedIn and post something first before, you know, some people will be like, only like post every day or post three times a day or post twice a week. Like, I don't know what the algorithm is doing. It changes all the time. Just do what's right for you um, and make it consistent. That's the main thing. Make it quality and consistent and then see how it works. We get, try it out. Like, I think it's 1%. If you post one time, once a week, you're in the top 1% of creators. Really? Wow. Yeah. And so if even what you're doing, like you do have a flow, like, you know, you have the internal, either it's clock or reminder that's like if i didn't yeah. post it's like ah like that that's it like that is a flow i think some people i work with you know a lot of recruiters they don't they got to get to that point right where they yeah. kind of feel the burn of if i didn't post like why not because you know i'm sure you've gotten opportunities and for candidates or clients or people have reached back out because of that right because of the podcast and i'm sure even some of the guests that you have on there could lead into some of those partnerships and all that down the road, right? Like, I mean, it's just like a that is a whole other topic of using podcasts as a BD, BD, uh, you know, kind of funnel for, for listeners or whatever else. Uh, we, we don't have to get too meta on that in this in this episode, but like, yeah. it's it all like it all kind of flows. And if you can record once like this and share a couple of clips, right, you make it a little bit yeah. easier on yourself too. Definitely, so. definitely. Let's, you know, we kind of start to wind it down, but let, let's go back to 2021, early 2022. One of the fascinating things, it's just kind of, why did you kind of engage, right? And kind of us working together, talking, you know, automation, kind of what was the thought process there, right? Because I think people are always interested in like yeah. why someone decides to work with someone that works <laughs> with recruiters, right? Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a good question. Cause obviously I had experience, but I, maybe it was from my time internal that I was always when, well, anyone that's gone out on their own and now they're CEO founder or whatever you want to put your title as, or if you're internal and you're like director or head of department, automatically you show up on all of these lists and people are trying to sell you stuff. So I was more open and receptive to hearing about new tools for my teams when I was internal, like, okay, how can we source better? How can we automate better? You know, what's out there and keeping a pulse on the market. Um, and like, I'd speak at conferences and stuff and meet people and they would share stuff with me. So when I started on my own, I went back to all those people. I was like, 
let me know what you think is the best tools or best systems or whatever. And then my title changed on LinkedIn. Now I'm CEO, founder of whatever. Again, you're getting reached out to about a different set of services and tools and trainings or whatever. Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> so I would, I would never close the door on it. I would, I was, I know actually from speaking to friends and stuff in the industry, they're like, you speak to way more people than we do. And you just don't know what's out there if you don't have chats and you're not open to it and you don't know what's going to work for you. And we talked a bit about this offline, but I've stopped taking all of that. The, hey, we'll book five meetings for you a week calls because a lot of it's BS. And the, the, the strategy there is we're going to email 10,000 people Spray and pray. Spray and pray. And my market's too small for that. So I've learned like doors shut there, right? Um, But when it comes to automation or tooling or uh, content or things that I'm just not an expert in or or at least didn't know anything about then, I was always open to learn and see if you gel with people, right? I got on with you. You understood your background. You understood mine. There was um, at least mutual space. And it wasn't just purely like transactional, or like, Hey, buy this course or Hey, just pay for this service and we'll send you any leads that come. Like that doesn't really go well with me, Um, which is why I I, I engage. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good to, I mean, it's good, I think, to to kind of say out loud. I think sometimes people that have experience in recruiting, it's easy to get jaded, right? And, and, And understandably so. But knowing like it's not necessarily the tool, it is got it's it's how you want to approach it, right? Finding a partner if you value the relationships and doing things the right way, but you're not quite sure, like go vet someone yeah. that gets it, right? That you do vibe with. And I always say, like, work with the person you're willing to learn from. Right. And not just because you feel like you have to do something, right? But to kind of get the value out of it. And it was it was interesting. I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but when we were working together, you built everything. You built all your campaigns. You built it out. You didn't turn it on. And I remember (laughs) you you never turned on. I was like, what, what is going on? But you honestly were, I think even ahead of, I gotta be, I gotta admit, I think you were ahead of me at the time. And you, as you should know best in your business, but you had the, no, I'm going to have my top accounts, like my, you know, dream 100. I'm going to, find yeah. leads from there. I'm going to be patient. I got stuff I'm working on now. I'm going to leverage it. And, you know, I, I was new to this. I just wanted to see you have success and feel like you got your ROI from the investment. Yeah. But I was new. And now looking back, I'm like, you were like, no, I, you were like, I got the value. I'm just going to use this when I need it. I'm like, oh, okay. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I don't remember. I had to bring it up because I like, I still have the memory. I would keep checking your account. I'm like, yeah. it still hasn't launched this, huh? Like, yeah. you know, this is going to be the worst testimonial ever. Uh, <laughs> you no, know, if, if, you, yeah. if you think about like the solo recruiter or boutique agency or whatever, if you engage and then you do a bad job, or if you reach out to people and you don't get back to them for a month or whatever it is, because I've been on both sides, right? or I've done both things, shall I say, you want to avoid that. You know, when you turn on something like an automation tool and you've built out your market map or whatever, we were talking about this offline. I'm like, oh, now I'm inundated on LinkedIn and I'm... And so just so everyone knows, it worked. He got a ton of responses and he still gets a ton of responses. Yeah, I still do. (laughs) And yeah, anytime I turn it on. But again, my process in the background is, like say, I'm building out... It started as a dream 100, but 
you know, it's a lot more than that of clients that are, are in my space at the relevant stage and or funding or whatever. And I consistently build that out on sales nav and add people and turn on Dripify or whatever automation tool you choose to use whenever it is. Or you can do it manually if your market's small enough. Like I'm targeted about who I want to connect with and why and what my messaging is. But that also results in follow-up. You've got yeah. you know, responses, you've got people to add to the system, et cetera. So if I was already head down with, I, don't, I can't remember at that time how many searches I was working on, it's like, I can't take on more now. You mentioned about like, you're like, dude, I got 10 like retained searches or whatever, yeah. or like 10 searches, so half a retained or whatever. I was like, right. okay, that makes sense. I was like, yeah, go get the money. I couldn't like, take, yeah, I couldn't yeah. take on more. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, go, go get the money, yeah. yeah. So, but, you know, again, that was early on even in me starting the business. And for me, again, we talked about this offline a bit, like how I even found my first clients. Like I had to learn all of that again, right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing automation tools before, when I was in agencies, it was like banging the phones. It was like I said, e-shots. It was all of that stuff. It was like pretty old school yeah. and very sales driven. Um, there was an automation. Not everyone was on like doing their LinkedIn thing and stuff like that. You couldn't find people's contact infos from web scraping. Like th- this, that stuff wasn't really around as much when I was um, deep in my agency time. And then coming into my own um, self-employed world, I had gone back to those, these clients and engaged with them more organically and from a relationship, but that isn't scalable, right? As well. Like, how do you turn that into something that's, I can find brand new clients, people that don't know me, that I don't have a relationship with. You need to figure out a way of like making people aware of you and building relationships at scale and um, becoming more of a person to go to when the time is right. So I had to figure all of that out. It's, uh, you know, it, it's not overnight, right? Becoming kind of what we say, right? The, the digital type recruiter. And you are yeah. you are there, right? Using some of these tools, content with the podcast and still able to find time to kind of source and, and do everything that you need to do. I mean, it's cool to see how you're leveraging. I think everything that we talked, I mean, you and I kind of talked about three years ago, even when this was like just becoming an, an idea for me, I was like, I think you could leverage all these things and, to see you do it, like just kind of organic on your own, like it's the epitome of like the digital recruiter. Right? You have this, you had the agency training, you've been corporate, you've done it the old school way. You blend in, you're, I think you're always learning and listening to something, reading books. Like I've always kind of picked up on that about you, like just a constant learner. I think you have to be in that mindset to to kind of get to where you want to go, to be, be open-minded, to know, to kind of what could work for you, what couldn't work. If it doesn't work on the first try, is, that, is it you? Is it the two? Is it something else? Like kind of always be evolving and iterating and just understanding that you can then end up to kind of where you're at with podcasts and going to conferences in the audience. Like you're able to be kind of everywhere, offline and online in a yeah. sense, all at the same time, kind of be that Swiss army knife that, that I talk about a lot. And like, that's, you're still just solo, right? Like and doing all this. So it's like, it's, it's doable. It's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of smart work. Right. But, but it's doable. Um, You're definitely a testament to that. Yeah. I think what, if you know, thank you, first of all, if you know um, who you who your market or what your market is and who you want to serve and who you like best add value to then stick to that and focus on that, or at least like double down 
the majority of your time on that. You're still going to have like things come in, random referrals or people incoming interest here and there, or, or some activity you do is going to bring on someone that is probably going to be more transactional. It's not going to be your main focus, but again, we all have to pay the bills, revenue is revenue. But if what you want to do is add value to a certain subset, like I love working with self-aware early stage founders. They can be first time founders. I add a ton of value there. They can be, um, like serial entrepreneurs, but they're at a certain stage where they understand the value of talent, the value of searches, and they're receptive to input, love helping them in my niche. Right. Um, am I best suited to working with a public company? Probably not. Would I do it? Yes. A hundred percent. But am I going to chase it every day? Probably not. I mean, dollars are there, you know, fees are there. Um, we talked a bit, I don't know. We've talked about so much (laughs) about like structuring, payments and stuff like that like even kind of like an embedded model or like interim head of talent kind of thing or whatever it is there's so many creative ways when you're a boutique agency to do it lessen the the risk and um fear factor for your client but also still make it financially viable for you and lucrative um and then factor more of it on like successive placement, depending on what the workload is, right? If they just like, hey, I want you to build out my database or create a pipeline of candidates or map a market, cool. Figure out a way that that's financially viable for you. And then can you use that work with them later on or for someone else? Um, If not, like factor everything on placement. Uh, It's just a great... I mean, it's just like a, the best way to wrap it up. Cause I was going to say kind of what's the piece of advice that you have. And there was a few gems in there. I mean, the, the, this whole episode, you've provided gems, but that's like, figure out what's viable, right? The, the, what lessens the risk for the client is a huge one that I don't think recruiters think about. And then, but still making it viable for you. And it's like knowing the value you bring margin, what you kind of need to do. Like you work on that and do some diligence there. It, it's hard. It can be kind of annoying in the beginning. Yeah. Like, what is that number? And sometimes you got to test, throw some things out there. And, but that's where you can kind of get to that happy medium. And a lot of the best clients appreciate that thoughtfulness, right? Yeah. Trying to work through it. So I, that's a great point. And flexibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And flexibility for sure. Yeah. Because, yeah, I think speaking to them, knowing what your qualification, everyone knows, like if you've got a strong candidate qualification, you're going to be able to work with this person properly, manage their process, submit them, know their drivers. Same with the client. Client qualification, but also a job qualification. Like if your intake is thorough and you know if they've worked with recruiters before, what they've liked, what they haven't liked, if they haven't worked with recruiters before, you're able to educate them on the different benefits of this type of search, that type of search, how to engage the pricing models, all of that, it's going to be so valuable because, you know, you can't just sell someone something they don't want or that they don't know about. <laughs> well, and they don't understand. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And sometimes the it... times I've told people retain search, they're like, oh, sorry, what is that? Yeah. Like, okay. Let me explain it to you and yeah. the differences because they're like, oh, this person said they'll work with me at 15%. It's like, all right, well, let's, ex- let's explore that and what that means yeah. most likely. You know, what are you getting for 15%? Yeah. What questions are they asking you? Do they know the role? Do they know the industry, the title? Like with the candidates? Exactly. How much time are they dedicating to it? Is it really a commitment? Are you just like another number? All of this stuff where they don't think because they just think about the dollar. But then if I don't know how much I should share, but I will work retained with a client for less than I will on a contingent. 
because that's yeah. another we didn't touch on that like i'll flip it around but then also i'll do a flat fee if i have that commitment i'm like look just so you know that i'm not trying to bump up salaries here because again early stage client i know my client base i'll help you out so you know when it comes to offer time i'm not adding 50k to it to increase my and they don't think about that but you tell it ahead of time now you're more trustworthy Oh, and they didn't think about that. The being proactive on that stuff is huge. Man, we, yeah. we we really could spend a whole other hour on that. Okay. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's yeah, like we should stop. <laughs> you know, we, we, we should. I mean, it, it's so good. I can't believe we got it to on minute, you know, fifty nine yeah. of all things. I even had that in my notes. But it, it's being proactive. There's a whole thing on bringing things to their attention. I love telling people go vet other coaches, and here's the questions to ask them. Yeah. Like, and either come back or you might like them better and go work with them. That's fine too. Right. Cause yeah. I don't want to work with someone unless they want to work together. They want to partner together and it really should be across the board. And yeah. it, like, that's, it's great. If you can kind of get ahead of it, you're not 15%. Like, yeah, this is now what to go ask them, right? This is what to look out for. Is this probably what you'll get? And people are like disarmed usually when that happens they're never expecting that that is how you create a different experience from the beginning it's just that confidence right of knowing who yeah. you are what you bring to the table i mean that is one of the most powerful ways to do it and educating along the way yep. you're, you're teaching them something that they don't know like it might be the first time they've used a coach yep. the first time they've used a recruiter like it's like and then so what else do you know questions. right if you gave yeah. me this yeah, for yeah. free what else do you know right right if i get right. behind that paywall and, and all that stuff i'm like that's that's where really the magic happens so uh yeah. God, th th this is awesome I, I appreciate you being here greg where, where, where can we find you where should we try to find you linkedin most probably is the yeah. best way yeah, yeah search me greg Terusian. uh i believe i'm the only one uh add me on there you can find my podcast on all the major platforms machine minds if you're interested in robotics and ai um and our website samsonrose.com wonderful wonderful well greg appreciate you man it's great catching up Thank and you. having you on you just it was really good uh so good stuff well we'll have his, greg's linkedin profile website all that on the episode page um so check that out make sure to give us some love on the rating and, and all that good stuff where, wherever you're listening to this um but we appreciate you tuning in until next time happy hunting everyone mm -hmm.